Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Welcome to Unfair with your favorite co-host, Jimmy. You could have been doing anything else in the world, but you chose to listen to us. We appreciate that. It's solo weekend, so I will take the wheel myself to navigate you through the sports landscape of the hottest topics, late-breaking news, things that make no sense, and a few things that might surprise you. And as always, you can catch us on WMQG Radio, Tuesdays and Saturdays at noon Eastern. My solo weekend episode is sponsored by Clutch Culture. In life, there are moments when you are needed the most, and Clutch Culture is aspiring to bring you just that. With Hassan T-shirts available to remind folks who's clutch and who isn't, you can bring that culture into your lifestyle by checking out their website, www.clutch-culture.com. So today is a really good day. It's almost like Christmas in a way for NBA fans in the sense that today marks the official beginning of the NBA playoffs now that all the play-in games have commenced. And I will get into those matchups a little bit later. But from now uh, from now forward, we will see games that mean something much more that will really be a part of the determination of who is going to be the NBA champion, as they always are. So some of the most iconic moments in the NBA, some of the greatest performances that we have ever seen all occur in the playoffs. Why? Because there are different stakes. There's more tension. There's more at risk. And you generally get a chance to see the best versus the best night after night in the playoffs. So uh, it's a really fun time for NBA fans. We had to wait I guess not as long as we had to wait last year because of the pandemic, but longer than we normally have to wait because generally in a regular NBA season, the playoffs begin in the middle of April. It's towards the end of May. That's okay. We have to wait an extra month from what we're generally used to. But either way, it's going to be some really interesting and fantastic basketball that's going to be played. Some legacies are going to be written or rewritten throughout these playoffs. And I think that everybody will be focused on it and watch it just as much as I will. But I think before we get into the actual playoffs and anything that we have to talk about regarding the NBA is going to be involving the playoffs from now for the next couple of months. But I think it's time to admit now that the play-in tournament has commenced and has ended that the play-in tournament not only works, but is now going to be a staple of the NBA because there's too much going for it versus the the little bit of it that may not exactly work the way the NBA or the way NBA fans want it to work. So first you start with what would what would be, I would say, the premier matchup of the play-in tournament, which was the Lakers against the Warriors in the 7-8 game in the West. And that gave us an iconic LeBron moment, finding a way to hit a three ball from the logo with the clock winding down. It was a game winner with an eye, with one eye basically seeing three baskets, shoot the one in the middle. Yeah, shoot the one in the middle. 
and able to lead his team to a victory 103 to 100 over Steph's Golden State Warriors, where Steph in that game also had a fantastic performance. And I heard something to where that rating for that Warriors Lakers game was higher than the rating that LeBron and Steph got the last time they met in the playoffs. So that right there shows you the power, the ratings power of this play-in. And that's primarily what the NBA cares about the most is what type of rating a particular game or with this play-in tournament, the type of ratings that it gets. So we got a fantastic rating. So that right there told me that this play-in tournament is here to stay. But we also saw some really interesting things um, with some of the other games that were played. Going to the Eastern Conference, you had Boston surprising everybody and handedly, easily beating the Washington Wizards and claiming that number seven spot, which does nothing but earn them a first round, was going to be a quick first round exit against the Brooklyn Nets. But nonetheless, people didn't see that coming. You had a 50-point performance by Jason Tatum, one of the rising stars in the NBA. So that's something that we would not have gotten had it not been for this play-in tournament. You had the uh, Indiana Pacers also surprising people by destroying the Charlotte Hornets, something that a lot of people did not see coming. I did, but... um. Nobody saw that coming, and nobody really wanted that because there's a bigger star on the Hornets team, LaMelo Ball, that we would have liked to have seen in the playoffs. We didn't get that, but surprises in the NBA are intriguing. There's something that we're going to remember as we reflect back in years to come. We're going to reflect back on this very first play-in tournament, and this will be one of the things that we talk about. Um, and in the Western Conference, you got some really good basketball. All four of those games were close. Uh, including the game that Memphis played against San Antonio. That was a close game. I think uh, Memphis won that game by four or five points. And, um, you know, anytime you get close games in the playoffs, I mean, that's exactly what you want the playoffs to represent. And this wasn't the playoffs. Obviously, the play-in tournament, the appetizer to the main course. But uh, to see a good game between, you know, in all four of the games of the Western Conference was a fantastic thing. Now, in the East, all four of the games were blowouts. And that's not something we exactly wanted to see because that's less interesting, especially in the playoffs. But it's a good thing that the Eastern Conference really isn't the standard by which the NBA measures itself because the majority of their stars are in the Western Conference. So a lot of times we can't depend on the Eastern Conference to get things right. So this was a demonstration of that, that all four of those games were blowouts, even though we got some pretty cool moments in the majority of those games. But as long as the West was strong, you know, we had LeBron in it. We had Steph in it twice. Um, that makes, I guess that makes up for what we didn't get out of the Eastern Conference. So going into this, there were a lot of critics to the play-in tournament. Yeah, LeBron saying the guy who came up with it should be fired. You have Mark Cuban and Luka Doncic of the Dallas Mavericks, respectively, saying that the play-in tournament was a mistake. But it really isn't because sooner or later, Every NBA team is going to need this. Sooner or later, whoever your favorite team is, they're going to be in a 9-10 spot by the end of the regular season. And this play-in tournament gives them and gives you a chance to get your team to the playoffs and be able to watch them there and see what happens. So sooner or later, every team is going to need this. So that's a part of the reason why it works, because it gives four teams, four cities, four franchises, and four fan bases a little extra hope that they would not have had had it stuck to the regular format. And like that, sooner or later, there's going to be a star who's going to need this game as well. Now, I know the NBA won't admit this, but I know that this play-in type tournament, not exactly like this, but just a play-in format, which began last year in the bubble, was somewhat, and somewhat it began then, was going to be needed for a star. This was all created for one star. 
who the NBA probably wants to be one of the faces, if not the face of the NBA moving forward. And that is Zion Williamson. Now, his team, whether it's due to injury, because they had a lot of injuries this year towards the end of the season, uh, to him, to Brandon Ingram, to Stephen Adams, uh, and to Lonzo Ball off and on throughout the season, um, this was designed for them to get into one of those nine, ten spots and then have a matchup which potentially could have been against the Lakers and LeBron or against Steph Curry and the Warriors, which would have probably gotten just as fantastic of a rating as the Warriors-Lakers did. They didn't make it, but ultimately – each year, there's going to be at least one to two stars who are going to need this play-in tournament in order to get their team into the playoffs, which is good for everybody, in my opinion, except for the teams that they beat in order to get there. So sooner or later, a star is going to need this play-in tournament, just like Zion did. They didn't quite get there, but we don't know who it's going to be next year. It could be anybody next year because of injuries, because of free agency, because of starting the season slow for whatever reason. And another thing I like about this playing tournament is that it does give the teams who make it one through six, it gives them a chance to have a break before the actual playoffs, which going into the season, just about every team needs that. They need that extra rest, that extra time to recuperate both mentally and physically and, you know, the time to game plan. So when you put all that together, when you give these main playoff teams the one through six that, you know, five to six to seven days off before the tournament because the play-in tournament games are going on, then it gives you it gives them time to put themselves in a position to play better on the court. And that better basketball is better for the on-court product of the NBA, which is therefore better for revenue ultimately. So it works for them. But the only downside that I saw to this tournament, and this is something that I didn't exactly want to see or at least see it happen this way, was that it did knock out a, saw, a star, a, stu, a superstar, whose team would have been in the playoffs had it been the traditional one through eight format. And that is Steph Curry, who lost uh, to me, what was to me a thriller, a 117-112 overtime loss to the Memphis Grizzlies and Ja Morant. Therefore, eliminating them from the playoffs and putting the Grizzlies in the number eight spot set to meet the Utah Jazz. So the downside is the NBA had one of his superstars knocked out, which was Steph Curry um, of the Golden State Warriors. So, yes, that's bad. That is bad only if Ja Morant doesn't play the entire series and doesn't put on a show in place of Steph Curry. Now, he's somebody who I said is young. This was just his second season. He's a rising star. He's evolving into his own type of player. We already know he's not going to be a Steph Curry. He's more of, the, more of the Russell Westbrook mold, but is a little bit better of a shooter. And even though he's in a small market, I think that he can still evolve into a superstar in this league, maybe eventually an MVP. Maybe someday he wins himself a title. But he's going to be in there. So it all is going to depend on what type of basketball he and his team play against the Jazz as to whether or not the NBA will somewhat suffer by Steph Curry, who would have been in that A spot getting knocked out of the playoffs. So we'll see how much of a downside that is. But overall, with everything I've given you, this play-in tournament works. It's going to stay. You all should have appreciated what you saw, the good basketball we saw in the West and the bad basketball we saw in the East because at least you had stars in that game like Russell Westbrook and Jason Tatum. So I enjoyed this. I think that it works. It didn't exactly work perfectly, but I think that in regards to the money and in regards to what we saw on the court, it works. It's here to stay. Get used to it. Enjoy it and appreciate it. So now that we have our playoff matchup set, now that the play-in tournament has ended, I can go through each one of them. Uh, I think it's going to be some, you know, these first-round series, they're always pretty exciting. And um, 
you know, give us some really interesting things to watch, some really interesting storylines, and sort of gives us an idea of who we can look for to be there towards the end. I remember in the first round last year in the bubble, in that first round, what we saw out of the Miami Heat got everybody talking about just how far they could go. We could already see that this team was going to be a bit of a force to be reckoned with, and they were. Last year they won the East. So starting with the Eastern Conference, your 1-8 matchup, you have the Sixers versus the Wizards. I believe the Sixers are going to win that in five. Um, I think that the Wizards have no answer for for Joel Embiid. And I think that all around, there's a reason why the Sixers are the number one seed in the East. I think they're a better overall team. I would take Doc Rivers as a coach over Scotty Brooks any day of the week. So I think that the Sixers, who have been resting and game planning and waiting for this series, are going to um, fairly easily defeat the Wizards in five. Next, you have the 2-7 matchup. You have the Nets versus the Celtics. Uh, This is going to be a clean sweep. Uh, The Nets are going to win it in four, especially with the home court. When you have three stars and the other team has one, that pretty much is the beginning of the end for that team with one star. So, surprisingly, the Sixers are in this spot. I thought the Wizards were going to be there because I thought the Wizards were going to beat them. They didn't do it. But the Nets are going to make quick work of the Celtics in four. Up next, probably the highlight of the Eastern Conference playoffs. And as I record this show, I see them warming up to begin this series. You have the number three Bucks versus the number six Heat. And I think the Bucks. this is the year that they're going to do this. They're going to beat a team like this. They're going to beat them in six. They're going to get revenge for them putting them out of the bubble last year. And I think that, you know, the Bucks. they could have easily lost several games at the end of the regular season to get out of this matchup like the Clippers did because they were afraid of not only the Lakers but the Blazers. But I think the Bucks they won those games. They, they wanted this game, and one of those was over Miami. They wanted to be in this series. So that shows you what their mentality and what their belief is like. So I think the Bucks are going to win this in six. I think that the Heat are going to suffer by not having Victor Oladipo. This is the reason why they got him, uh, in order to get out of the East, in order to match up with teams like the Bucks and the Knicks, especially with the Bucks adding an underrated player like Drew Holiday and P.J. Tucker, honestly, um, in the buyout market. And I think that with the Miami Heat, they were protected quite a bit by the bubble format last year. And this year, the bubble's not going to save them. This year, they're not going to surprise anybody and come out of nowhere. So I think that they're going to be, you know, they're going to grind them. It's going to be a tough series. Jimmy Butler's not going to let his team quit. They're going to fight every game. So I think in a difficult six, the Bucs are going to win this series. And this may be the year that the Bucs actually get to the finals. Uh, But we'll see what happens. Bucs and six. Lastly, your four or five matchup, you have the Hawks taking on the Knicks. The Knicks are the fourth seed with the home court. And the Knicks are going to win this in six. It's going to be another grind-out series. I think that ultimately they're going to out-tough the Hawks, who are more of a finesse team. But this is sort of a classic Knicks type of team in the sense that they play tough defense. They slow the game down. They have um, you know, a big guy that they can run the, run the offense through, which is Julius Randle. And surprisingly, you have Derrick Rose playing really good basketball as well sort of resurrecting some of the flashes of the old MVP Derrick Rose that we saw. But the Knicks are going to win this game. They're going to out-tough this team. They win it in six. Switching over to the Western Conference, you have the number one Jazz, number one seed versus the number eight Grizzly, who I just talked about. The Jazz are going to win this in six. Um, In large part, it's going to depend on the health of Donovan Mitchell. If he is 90% of what he was prior to the ankle injury, and he's been practicing all week, um, then it could be in five, but I think the Jazz are going to win this in six. I think John Morant is going to win this team a game, and surprisingly, I think that his number two, Jonas Valachunas, one of the better centers in the league, is going to win this team a game with some sort of 2020-type game. So watching he and the Stifle Tower go back and forth is going to be intriguing to watch. So the Jazz are going to win this in six. 
the series of the Western Conference and probably of the playoffs, period, because no one thought that it was going to happen this way. You have the number two Phoenix Suns against the number seven Lakers, fresh off of their play-in victory over Steph and the Warriors. The Lakers are going to win this in six, primarily because it's going to come down to AD being too much for this team. And I don't see Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, their first time in the playoffs, making it through a team like this, the defending champs, with uh, GOAT on that team in LeBron James. I think that CP3 is, I mean, they're going to look as good as they did in the regular season and probably even better. But I think that midway through, the Lakers are going to hit a second gear. They're going to figure it out. They're going to get focused on the same page, and they're not going to worry about the injuries, LeBron nor AD, and they're going to then take control of the series. So I can see the Suns winning the first game, the Lakers winning the next two, the Suns winning one, and then the Lakers finishing it out uh, on the road in Phoenix. So the Lakers in six. You have the number three Nuggets versus the number six Blazers. And a lot of people are picking the Nuggets to win this series. I'm not. I'm picking the Blazers to win this. As a matter of fact, I'm picking the Blazers in a gentleman's sweep in five. Why? Because, yes, the Nuggets do have the eventual MVP, Nikola Jokic, who's going to win it this year. But this is where they're really going to start to suffer, not having Jamal Murray on this team, who we, they lost to an ACL, uh, who put up multiple 50-point games, I recall, last year in the bubble in the series against the Jazz that they won on the way to beating the Clippers and going to the Western Conference playoffs. So now Jokic is going to suffer not having his number two. And I think that this season the Blazers getting Yusuf Nurkic back, their center, who's a highly skilled center, is definitely going to help them out, as well as getting Norman Powell uh, right before the trade deadline, who's another wing scorer, another good defender out of Toronto, as well as Enos Cantor, who's been really good for this team, and Carmelo Anthony providing some scoring off the bench. So I don't know why people are picking the Nuggets. I have no idea why, even though they don't have the home court, the Blazers. But the Blazers are going to win this in five. Lastly, you have the number four Clippers, who lost themselves into this spot to avoid several teams against the number five Mavs. Uh, the Clippers are going to win this series. They're going to win it in seven instead of the six they won it in last year. And I think it's because the, the Mavericks know that they lost on purpose in order to get into this game. So they're pissed about that. They're pissed that they beat them last year. And the Mavericks expect to have Chris Tapps Porzingis the entire series, or they hope they will, and that he won't get injured again. He gets hurt quite a bit, so hopefully he lasts this entire series. And because of them playing against him in the playoffs last year, they know this team very well. So I think that the Mavericks are going to give them everything they want. The Mavericks believe that they can win this series. And I believe that the Mavericks uh, won, the, won the matchup, the overall matchup, against the Clippers in the regular season. So that's going to help them squeeze out another game. But the Clippers on that uh, in that game seven at home, they're going to find a way to win it. So the Clippers win it in seven. So to me, that is how the first round of the playoffs is going to shake out. Of course, strange things happen. Injuries happen. Unforeseen heroes emerge. A dark horse team emerges. Um, and it ends up turning the playoffs upside down. So if I were to pick a dark horse team, out of each conference that's going to go further than people think. I will say it's going to be the Blazers in the West and the Knicks in the East, which the Knicks have already made New York happy by just making it to the playoffs and being a number four seed, giving them two guaranteed playoff games in the Garden. But I think that the Knicks are going to be a lot tougher than people think and could end up actually going to the conference finals, just like I think the Blazers could end up going to the conference finals. So um, those are the matchups.
I know your picks might be different. But either way, again, this is what it's all been leading up to. This is part of what the play-in tournament gave us. And I think that we're going to see some fantastic and interesting basketball in this first round like we generally always do. So lastly, now that we have reached the playoffs and now that we're at a point in the season where now it's about the small details, it's about the extra film study, it's about just getting that extra inch, it's about that extra second on the shot clock that you need, it's about really the small lapses in judgment that will determine the outcome of these playoff games, which can determine the outcome of a series, which can determine the outcome of a conference, which can determine the outcome of the finals. It's all connected. So now the small, minute details both on and off the court truly matter, which leads me to something that I thought I would not see, uh, something interesting, and that is uh, LeBron James. There was a report that came out today, early, early this morning, that LeBron James was found to be in breach of the NBA's health and safety protocols this week uh, as a lead spokesman, league spokesman told the ESPN on Friday night. Uh, LeBron James will not be suspended, sources say, as the nature of the event didn't rise to a threat level of a virus spread. Uh, LeBron, he was one of several high-profile guests present at a promotional event for a tequila brand that he backs, which I assume means backs financially. He's got a stake in the in the company. Uh, this was earlier this week before the Lakers play-in game against the Golden State Warriors. Uh, among the stars there um, who were part of the outdoor photo shoot were Drake and Michael B. Jordan. Now, to get into this event, each person had to produce a uh, proof of vaccination or a recent negative test result in order to attend. So I imagine that it was also a masked event outside of the photos that were taken and probably spread out in terms of conforming to social distancing. So it's probably about as safe of an, a, provo a promotional event as one could go to. But at the same time, I'm still surprised. I'm still surprised that there was no penalty that LeBron James incurred other than the league talking to his team, which is basically an email, which is basically a warning. So many people were wondering, just like I was, okay, if he violated this like anybody else who did over the course of the regular season, why was he not suspended? That seems a little bit unfair. Now, I know it's not the same as a James Harden going to the strip club without wearing a mask or going to a birthday party in a strip club without wearing a mask, whatever it was that he did, and then having to sit out 10 or 14 days and produce negative tests each day before being allowed back to the team and therefore to the court. So I know it wasn't like that. But still, it's a violation. A violation is a violation. And... If you want to know why perhaps LeBron James was not suspended or it doesn't seem like even fine, then the answer is this. They say that the answer to 99 questions out of 100 is always the same, and that is money. If you follow the money, if you focus on that, then that tells you exactly the reason why LeBron James wasn't suspended. Because what we find out is that there are levels to violations in these health and safety protocols that the NBA at least really hasn't talked about publicly, but that exists in the sense of one's the, the event that one attends, I guess, in a sense, determines the level of threat that they pose in terms of contracting the virus or causing an outbreak, which the NBA absolutely cannot have. You cannot have an NBA team at this point in the season in the playoffs being unable to play because of a, a spread of the coronavirus. They absolutely cannot have that. So LeBron, someone who's so careful 
someone who is so focused in the playoffs because this has always been so much more. It's always meant so much more to his legacy just outside of winning the actual championship since part of who he's trying to become alongside of, step alongside of, or be mentioned amongst, or to many people be greater than, is his airness. So him even taking this risk, even just violating the policy at all, is a lapse in judgment we typically don't see by LeBron James. And it tells me something about about this. It, it makes me believe that this is going to be one of the reasons, this is going to be one of the lapses in judgment, along with everything that the Lakers have had to go through this year, that is going to, I mean, to me, it signifies that the Lakers are not going to win another championship. I didn't pick them to win the championship this year. It wasn't for this reason because nobody foresaw this coming. But, I mean, it's little details like this, little lapses in judgment that really show you the reasons why at the end of it all, a team doesn't win a championship, just like all the little things that added up with the Los Angeles Clippers within that locker room and within the bubble that led to them blowing a 3-1 lead having double-digit leads of 15 or more in each of the final three games against the Nuggets and not winning that series is because the little things ultimately add up. So it's interesting because if LeBron James backs this company financially, then that means that even if he doesn't attend this event because of the it would cause a violation in the health protocols, and he knew it would, but he did it anyway, then, I mean, they're not going to boot him out of the partnership with him for that reason. And I think that he can afford to miss one photo op I mean, I know he rarely does at the events that he's attend that he attends, but he friends he's friends with Drake. He sees him all the time. He's friends with Michael B. Jordan. He sees him all the time. They're both there in L.A. So he could have afforded to miss this photo op, and he didn't. So it's that type of thing that really should make Lakers fans worry. They're not going to care about this because he's going to take the court tomorrow against the Suns on the way to winning the series in six. But I don't understand why he thought this was worth the risk because it wasn't. If it were me – I would have given him one game, a one-game suspension, meaning that he would have not played in the game against the Warriors, meaning that the Lakers lose that game, meaning that they barely eke out a win against the Grizzlies, meaning that they're in the 1-8 spot against the Utah Jazz, which would have been perfectly fine because then that would have set up a second-round matchup against the Clippers. So the NBA probably would have preferred for the Lakers to meet the Clippers sooner rather than later since we didn't get it at all last year, and that's all the NBA hyped all season long. And you know they did because the first what, the first game of the season, both last year and this year, was the Lakers against the, the Clippers, or the second game last year was the Lakers against the Clippers. It was early. So the NBA knows how much that rivalry for the Staples means. So they probably would have been just fine with him being in the eighth spot and <laughs> meeting the Clippers later on. But either way, I don't like this. I don't like seeing this out of the leader of that team in the face of the league, LeBron James. So it shows you, if you pay close attention, that it'll this will be one of the things, one of the reasons when we look back on this, that I'm going to use to explain to you all why the Clippers came out of the West and not the Los Angeles Lakers. Obviously, being a LeBron guy, I don't want that to happen. But I saw this a long time ago, and it's what I believe is going to happen. But we will see how much of an impact that has. But either way, I'm disappointed in LeBron. I expect better out of him. So we'll see what happens on the court. We appreciate y'all listening to Unfair Solo Weekends. Uh, shout outs to Mike, Bob, and Wendy, the production team, always holding it down. Shout out to my co-host, Jay, always bringing it week in and week out. We appreciate that. To all the graduates out there, congratulations in high schools and colleges across the country, uh, one of which is my nephew who graduated today. Uh, I was at that graduation earlier today. So congratulations to you. Uh, to Florence Nightingale, we appreciate you listening to this show. 
uh, as well as anyone who you may have suggested the show to as well. Anyone who's called the fan line uh, that we discuss or that we give you the number to in our early week shows. We appreciate that as well. So as I always say, um, you know, we're getting close to the end of this pandemic, getting closer to the end. But either way, please be safe. Please try to distance as best as possible. Wear a mask when you can get vaccinated um, if you are able to, if you choose to. And hopefully let's get through this. Love yourself. Love somebody. It's been unfair. Peace. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.